There's this weird thing with Zoom. I, I don't think anyone's used to it yet. Yeah, I don't know. You think I I feel like I should theoretically be pretty good at Zoom at this point, but there's always something new. I keep thinking it's new, and then I'm like, wait a minute, we've been doing this <laughs> since March. Wait a minute, this I know isn't new anymore. Like, no, it's not. There's <laughs> definitely been a, a slower learning curve than probably expected, but I I think we're just all traumatized by everything. We're just yes, you know, just do the best you can. That's all you can do. I, 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 I'll try to keep that in mind. If I don't do the best <laughs> I can, though, I have two small people who will need a lot of therapy. So it's, that's a little different space. <laughs> so yeah, that's I all right. You. I have not gotten to read your book, but it's okay. like an amazing premise. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited about it. I'm just glad that I was able to find an outlet and share my story in a way that seems to be connecting really, really well with a wide variety of people, both who are disabled and chronically ill and those who actually aren't as well. Um, Cause I did a, like a crowdfunding campaign through Indiegogo. Um, and so a lot of people who actually backed it are not disabled at all, um, which I'm super excited about because that just means that they're getting educated. Um, and that's like one of my biggest goals. Um, so if I can appeal to them in any way, which apparently I did enough, I, I sold quite a lot of books, funded the whole campaign in like about a week or two. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I definitely uh, want to talk about that aspect of because publishing is so different now than it's it ever is. been. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think I want to first start off. Um, your book is called I'm Good, which is a great title. Thank you. <laughs> it, it works on every level because there's one thing we it do. Does. It's fake that we're good. I mean, it's it, it's a pretty standard deal. And um, it's also what people right. assume about us, especially if we're good at that. Right. How did you, how did you get people who aren't disabled interested in this? Um, so I get very personal. <laughs> um, and I think that helps. Um, like I've always let people, I went to a very small liberal arts school. And so I was able to connect with a lot of people on a very personal level. It's not like I went to this huge school where it was hard to make connections, like everyone knew everyone. And so um, I had a lot of support from people there and like I was very willing to answer questions and talk to them. And even if things were uncomfortable, just to say it um, and explain things like if people wanted to learn and listen, I was all for it. Um, that was not a problem for me at all. I was always there for it. Um, and so I feel like if you give able-bodied people like the option to ask things obviously like that can <laughs> turn into an issue when they like go too personal or can't really read the room but if you kind of sometimes you have to set up boundaries but I just feel like if you're as open as possible with them um like people are interested um people are interested in other people's lives they might not know anything about them though. And so you just have to be open um, and let people ask questions and answer them like as honestly as you can. Um, I think that's the big thing because in marketing in general, like you're not going to be able to connect with people if you don't find like that pain point, that thing. And like, you have to get them interested. Um, and I guess I was interesting enough to people that, that it kind of worked out. So <laughs> that was How do you nice. draw those lines? How do you I mean, people can, I think I strongly believe in general, people are good. People want right. to be nice. They want to I understand, agree. but there is that portion of people, the ones who will take a picture and post a meme about, you know, oh, this person isn't really disabled or they will oh. shame people. Those people do exist. And I think it's, um, it's dangerous for us not to know that they exist. Oh, it how is do, extremely dangerous. Yeah. How do you I, like physically too? I mean, there, I, I've had some very intense confrontations before. Um, I try my best to avoid those. those um, are my cool. biggest ones are when I use my, my accessible parking pass, um, because mm -hmm. I'm so young, uh -huh. the yeah. looks I get from old men are like, just so mean. No one's ever said anything. They just watch me. They definitely like, they're like looking, trying to figure out what's wrong. It's like, I could have like a prosthetic leg. Like you don't know, but they're looking, they're like, she's too young. She walks like, okay. -ish. And like, if like, I'm really getting a lot of looks, I'll like emphasize the limp or walk slower something oh, because yes. out of like, I don't want there to be a confrontation and I don't want people to say things. Um, so definitely out in public, it's more of like, within your circle of people who you generally know that I'm much more comfortable like opening up to. Um, 
in public, I'm not as open to that. I've had people ask me things because I have a very small service animal, um, like what she could possibly do for me, not let me into places because I don't look disabled and she's small, all the things. Um, and so I've definitely gotten <laughs> defensive in some, in some times, which is not ideal, but um, I feel like you can usually tell when someone is not giving you your rights, but in like a nicer way. And then there's people who are like, no, like, get out of our establishment. And you're like, no, I'm going to stay here. Um, and I will whip out like big words to scare them. Um, so I will work? whip out some. <laughs> yeah, it does work. Sometimes it does work. Not all the time, but like sometimes you just got it. Like if they're coming in strong, you can't be like, oh, like, yeah, because I can be a pushover in like that situation. I'm definitely not. So I think it's all about being aware, like you have to be able to read the room and kind of see other people's vibes. And like, if they seem open minded, if they seem curious, but not like, what's wrong with you type of way, but want to know more about your life, when they want to know more about your life and like your lived experience. Um, I generally find those people just to be more understanding than people who just want to know, like, where are you diagnosed with? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, they just have an end goal of finding something out. Um, yeah, we just that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like utter crap. And so whoever's listening, if this was you, I'm so sorry. I do adore you. Um, but I'm on medication and new ones. So yeah, I cannot remember her name and I love her so much, but she created a business card that says, mm. if you're curious and on the back, it has a website of like what invisible illnesses and like, it was everything. It was a really pretty business card. And she's like, I just freaking hand these out. Like, yeah. Because they don't like, you know, what you're saying is so important. And most people are curious and they just, you know, I'm a curious person. There's a lot of questions sure. I want to ask strangers that I try not to ask them. <laughs> I love interacting with other people. Um, but right. I also realize that's not my business a lot of the time. And right, hopefully right. that I have that realization before the words come out of my mouth. Not always, <laughs> but I try. But as a sick person who has to answer a lot of those questions, I don't want to. I, I had small children and I did not want to answer questions while I was right. trying to moderate what that person needed to know with what a two-year-old did not need to know, or I'm trying to chase after a two-year-old with a cane, or like there's a right. lot of stuff that might be going on in someone's day that they don't want to stop and answer those those questions. Right. I'm sure definitely being a parent impacts that a lot. Luckily, I'm kind of on my own, so it's less, but like I know I feel more comfortable like going out with my service animal if I have like my friends from school with me or if I have my family with me just because people don't like suspect stuff as much because they're like, oh, it must be legit. Like the people around her are like accepting it. Right. I mean, it's almost like you have to have like someone who validates you. Like yeah. if my husband's with me, I very rarely get anything if my, right. and now I have, um, my children are adults now pretty much. I have a teenager and I have a, a six foot one teenager. And so no <laughs> one bothers me if he's around. Right. <laughs> he looks, he, he, he's very lovely, but intimidating, scary looking, but that's a validation. Yeah. You're right. Like if other people are there and they're not saying something, then they're going to have to wade through a group of people. I'd be really curious what the the social group is like. Like if you're listening to this and you'd like to, you live in a different country, if you yeah. are a man, if you are trans, if you are non-binary, if you are different races, I would love to hear from you on what your experiences are with like dealing with other people. Because I feel like, you know, like I especially have so much privilege in, I can, I don't get questioned as much because of how I look. And where I live and what I'm doing. I, I can't imagine this is easier for a lot of other people. Right. Yeah. Oh no. I'm sure it just gets more difficult as we continue with intersectionality. Things just always get harder. Right. <laughs> like it, it, and it feels so, I think that there's a lot of um, people who don't understand that because it's like, I'm already dealing with this thing. Right. So obviously I can't be guilty of anything else or yeah. I understand. It's like, I, I think I have a pretty good, I don't understand. <laughs> Like, I'm so right. sorry. I, I would like to, but like yeah. intersectionality gets weird that way. So I think a lot of people are like, no, I, I already got it. And it's like, mm. right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a lot <laughs> and it can be a lot harder. So how did you, okay. So I'm sorry. I, I'm totally digressed. That's okay. um, it happens That's okay. a lot. It's, it's very sad, but true. Um, how did you get through writing a book? How is, how is that process for you? Um, with focus, yeah. with physical ability of typing. Like this is oh, not part yeah. of the interview. This is like, I'm writing a book and my wrists are killing me. Right. Well, that's funny. Cause today it's like pouring rain here. I was at work. Oh, my lunch break. I like, my, my wrist is like done. Um, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm outside oh, of Boston. So freaking jealous. We have 80 <laughs> degrees right now. 
Okay. Yeah. No, definitely not 80. I think the high today is like 55. Oh, so. I want to go visit so bad. <laughs> it's, it's raining. Come on a nicer day. No, I live, I live, I mean, I have the, I have pots and um, oh, okay. like most of what you have, but I also have pots yeah. of the heart with the 90 degrees. Mm. It's brutal. So I just stay yeah. in bed on these days. I like, I like a good like 65 to 70. Yeah. Like I just need to live in a bubble and like, I'm happy with like that temperature, my body. I'm just thrilled. That's, really? that's a beautiful, beautiful, yeah, we're, we're looking, we're trying, we're in the middle of um, immigration for New Zealand because the weather is so good That there. is awesome. Yeah, yeah hopefully that's it so will work exciting. out. Yeah, we were like really in the, the process in January and then COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. I'm sorry, your wrists are killing you, you are writing and your wrists yeah. are working. <laughs> yeah. How do you deal yeah. with the wrists and the typing? Because with the bracing, I, oh, I can't hard. brace and type because it yeah, it's the it's really, really hard. Um, so in terms of like writing the book and like that whole process, um, in terms of my mental illnesses, um, I do have OCD. And so like very much like, um, obsessions and the compulsions are 100% there. And so I was sitting in my room last July after my internship one day. And I was like, Oh, and I thought of like this one, like really pivotal moment in my life. And I was like, I'm gonna write that down. So I wrote down and then I was like, oh my God, here's another pivotal moment. That's funny. And I wrote that down and I wrote that down. And I had like a whole page in pages of just all these like pivotal moments in my life that like just really shaped me. And it just like all happened at once. And I just started writing. I was writing and writing like all in one night, just like going, going, going and getting like a ton done um, where like I, my brain just kept like figuring out like new connections and being like, Oh my God, well, this would actually go better with like this chapter. Like this was all in one sitting. So like I went, yeah, my brain like decides it's going to do something and it does it, um, <laughs> which can be good, but it can also be a lot. And so I was going, 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 wrote a ton. And then um, this guy named Eric reached out via LinkedIn. Cause he, uh, he works in like publishing. He has like a bunch of think tanks, very smart guy. He works, uh, He's a professor at Georgetown. And so like, that's what this program was through. So I went through new, new degree press um, and I did hybrid publishing, which is, so I had the publisher and all the resources, but that's why I funded it uh, via like a crowdfunding website. Um, yeah. So we reached out and then in August um, I got paired with a developmental editor and most people like had nothing. And I'd already had a first draft <laughs> that I had like popped out. And obviously it's come a long way from that first draft, but I mean, the way I started it was very structured and it really sorry, does match. Step back for one second. What yeah. is a developmental editor? Yeah. So a developmental editor, they help you like when you first start writing, get um, all your ideas on the paper, like figure everything out. And then like you write everything. You have like a first draft that's pretty rough. They help. They go through it with some other editors whose names I don't remember their types of titles, but they go through it and they work with you to try to make sure you have like a really good first draft. Um, I don't know, I wrote like three drafts, four drafts, something like that. So it goes through a lot of different lives. Um, wow. But yeah, so the developmental is like the first step. How did you get in touch with the, was that something that the publishing house did? Yep. So the publisher put, uh, I was with the developmental editor. I was with a revisions marketing editor. They had a copy editor, proofreader, um, all the people like the designers for like cover design um layout all that stuff so they provided all of that for me which was nice because wow. I wouldn't have known how to do any of that on my own so yeah I was super grateful to have that like all set up and in place um yeah I'm sorry I made you walk through the process I just know that a lot of people okay. think a book just happens that yeah it does not just happen and you, you write just, I a wish your book and that just is the thing and so I think a lot of people don't write books or don't right. want to write books because they think well I can't but there's like a lot of people in the process. This isn't just. Oh my God. So many eyes. So many eyes. Yeah. Don't give up book. on your book is what I was trying to no. say in a very long way. <laughs> yeah, no, don't give up on it. Um, you'll get there eventually. There's a lot of steps. Um, but yeah, so it was published within the year that I wrote it. So. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was super excited about it. I am still super excited yes, about it. You should. Um, you bring up a really interesting point. I'm not sure if I understood what you're trying to say correctly. And if I'm being offensive mm -hmm. or wrong, just tell me to shut up. Um, <laughs> sure. But you're talking about almost a positive side of mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've wrestled a lot with because I do find positive sides to my depression. I know it's weird, but it's right. almost a cyclical thing that I can count on. And I know 
what that depression can do for me if I channel it. Right. You want to talk a little bit about that? Cause I think yeah. it's, it, it's yeah, so. and not, don't go off your meds, by the way, don't, don't do that without talking to your doctor. We're not. Oh um, no, I love, anything. I'm very, I'm very yeah. anxious. So I have anxiety and OCD in the way like, yeah. So I don't do anything I'm not supposed to. Yeah, I listen just, to everything. I, I take make 20 really pills a day. <laughs> do not sue us. Do not go off your meds without <laughs> talking to your doctor. It's just, if you are dealing with these symptoms and you deal with them anyway, right. there might be ways to, to work with them. Right. Yeah, so I actually have a chapter in my book that um, is all about mental health and how basically I have not found a chronically ill person in my, my life who does not also have mental health issues. They seem to really go hand in hand, like you, they are just intertwined together. So I have a whole chapter about that um, because like I've always been anxious and had stuff, but if you like look back at the history of my life and how long I went undiagnosed and how young I knew something was wrong, like you can see how that started at a very young age and just really progressed. Um, yeah. So in terms of like finding a positive, I definitely think there are positives, not so much to the anxiety. That's not a joy, but um, <laughs> I'd say more of the OCD, although they, you know, they do overlap quite a bit. Um, like for work, um, I work in the marketing world. And I do like a lot of task work, like getting campaigns going and stuff like that. Like I am so much more efficient than ever. Like I just go and go and go. So I don't stop, um, which can be really great because um, employers love that. They love someone who like go, go, goes, but at the same time, not great for like my chronic illnesses, which are like, Hey, you should probably take a break. And my brain is like, no, I think I'm good. So it's a very like, <laughs> so it's, you have to figure that out. So like, I'm really grateful because I know so many chronically ill people who are just so weak and so tired that they, they can't. So I'm lucky kind of that I kind of like that extra like push. Like my brain is like, no, you have to. I'm like, Oh, if I have to. And so like, I go, 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 go. Um, definitely always working on like not doing that. Um, definitely. It's, it's something that I'm always going to have to work on is like learning how to like take breaks and slow down. Um, I mean, when I was writing my book, I was also writing my honors thesis. Um, so yeah, so I, I do like a lot at once. So it keeps my mind busy. And then if your mind's busy, then you don't always have to think about how sick you are. Also, it's a good like coping mechanism to like separate yourself. Although what I tend to write about is illness. So how much am I separating myself? <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> I've been listening to as I, we both live here in the United States. Um, I can't yeah. afford therapy. So I've been listening to Elizabeth Gilbert a lot. And okay. I just read Ali Brosh. Um, she wrote a, a webcomic called Hyperbole and a Half. Okay. And then she went through a period of very intense clinical depression, which if you've had that or anyone who's listening has had that. It's very different than situational depression. There is no correlation between the two. It is, it, it's a whole different beast. It's like, I'm tired and chronic fatigue. I have a headache. I right. have a migraine, like different beast. And so she wrote the best web comic on depression I'd ever seen. It was like, yeah, yep. That's it. That's what that's like. And then she took seven years off and she just wrote her new book. Oh, that's and, so and so it, it's incredible. And her book is half comic, half writing. And right she really just kind of surprises you with these like little moments of like, mm -hmm. this is so, we are such little aliens in skin sacks trying to figure out the rules of the game. <laughs> but no one asked us if we wanted to play. So, right. Oh no, yeah. no one asked us if we wanted to play. They were uh -uh. like, you're in now. And I was like, mm, I'm not, I'm not up for this. They're like, no, yeah. you are. And there's always someone in a skin suit who's playing it better than you. And you're like, wait, what's wrong with me that I don't know this? Did you get a rule book? Right. I did not get rule book. Like, <laughs> can I borrow your rule book? Um, yeah. So listening to those two interview each other is amazing because, you know, you have Ali Brash really like very openly and honestly, like, I don't have rule book. I'm completely not rule book yeah. bound. I don't understand what I'm doing. And she's so refreshingly honest about it. And then you have Elizabeth Gilbert who talked a lot about fear and her anxiety mm -hmm. and what she's dealt with and like how she's like I can't get rid of fear so I just invited along on the road trip it has to sit in the back seat it doesn't right. get to control anything but it's a part of my life so it has to be there it's like that's a really you know like instead of the push away of because I have right I, I, everything mental health wise I have not seen a psychiatrist I don't have the money for it but I mm -hmm. certainly have my my tics that very much screw up my life 
so it's um it's really helpful yeah. to hear like how how they handle these things without like okay so i can't get rid of it so right i'm friends with this little rabid hamster that is like trying to control your brain <laughs> like yeah i mean like i know like if i have like certain triggers like i have the fear of like vomiting and stuff like that and so like i know when that's coming i'm like okay I, if my stomach's hurting, so, like, that could be, like, a thing, which is not great, because my stomach hurts, like, 99% of the time, um, and so, like, all the heating pad, and, like, four ice packs, so, like, I got, my body is, like, I don't know what's happening, we got a lot of temperatures, I'm just, like, we're gonna do it, I mean, like, yeah, I just, you know, you gotta learn how to, like, what you need, and then once you figure that out, you're just, like, yeah, I'll put in my backpack for, like, a nice long car ride, like, you're gonna come with me, we'll figure this out, um, I just find everything less scary, like, know what it is or, like, what it's happening. Like, when I was first panicking and having panic attacks, I didn't know what was going on. I was on a bus in Poland in the middle of nowhere when I had my first – I thought I was dying. thought I was dying. I was, like – Oh, my God. Okay. I fully was, like, this is it. I was 16, thought I was dying on a bus in Poland, of all places. I was, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, peace out, done. Obviously, this is how this feels to die. <laughs> oh, my God. I was levitate. I was, like, all right. Yep. I was like, it is time. Like, I was like, didn't know it was my time. I could not believe how okay I was. I was like, all right, take yep, it easy. This is like, what we do. <laughs> time, time to turn the lights out. Um, yeah, no. Um, so I feel like once, at least for me, I, I do better with like knowledge and like understanding what's going on in my body. And so that's why whenever I have something new or we can't figure out what's wrong, that's what brings like the anxiety up for me. Um, just because it's like, also like, traumatic because you're constantly going through like testing and figuring out and they're like well like nothing's coming back so like we don't know what's wrong which is happening right now in my life and so it's just like a very current thing that's happening um so it can definitely be overwhelming but in terms of mental illnesses like they don't always have to be your friend because they're not always going to be your friend and oh. they're gonna impede and on your life and in your life but um yeah i mean try your best <laughs> to work with what you got and find, find the things that like you're even better at when you're depressed or you're anxious yeah. or you're having like obsessions and stuff like that. That's um, a much better way to phrase that. Thank you. Yes. That, that, was, yeah. <laughs> that was my long way around to that sentence. That yeah. Was, it's very good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, you bring up something else that was really, um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, which right. is when you're young and being gaslit. Oh, um, like, and the person who is the authority figure in the white coat is gaslighting you. And they're not intentionally gaslighting you usually. They honestly don't know that something's wrong. Right. But, you know, you're talking about phobias, my huge fear. And I still get it, like, a, they actually have to retest my blood every time I go into a doctor because I'm scared to death to go into a doctor's office. So my mm -hmm. blood pressure goes up because I have this anxiety of, no, you're fine. You're just, right. and I love the quotation, you're just mentally yeah, um, yeah, like you need mental. Like they tried to put me in a mental institution when I was um, sixteen because obviously I couldn't be in that much pain. Right, of course yeah. not. No, of course so, not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a pleasure. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard. It really is just hard. I guess I gaslit myself like three nights ago. My brother was like, "You have to stop doing that. You are sick." And I was like, but are we sure? Because like, yeah. I felt fine for five minutes and I hadn't been fine for a month. So I was like, and then a test came back kind of normal. So I was like, oh my God, but I feel okay. And this test came back. So maybe I'm fine and maybe I'm overreacting and I'm going, going, going. And that is how the obsessions start. And so <laughs> then um, one of my compulsions is I have trichotillomania. They're doing pretty good right now, but I do like pull out. I've had times where I have not had like a left eyebrow, yep. not had a right eyebrow. And so like, I'll just pull and pull. And my brother, he has eyes in the back of his head. He'll be in the kitchen. He'll be like, stop doing it. I'll be like, how do you know? Like, how do you know I'm doing it? So I have some good little watchers who are like, stop. But um, it's hard. It really is so hard. And like, I don't usually gaslight myself. I'm usually pretty like confident. So then I freaked out that I was gaslighting myself and admitted it out loud. I was like, I'm doing it. But then I got really sick the next morning and I was like, I'm all better now. Like I am. <laughs> oh my God, you're killing me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And my ex-wife used to really feed into it on, yeah. because I would get really bad flares when I was trying something or I was working really hard right. on something. And I was like, maybe, you know, cause I was in my twenties, I was still trying to figure myself out and figure out everything. We didn't have diagnoses except fibromyalgia and not that that's not a serious one. That's a serious right. one. It was just that I had a very different experience than what yeah. fibromyalgia has. 
And it'd be like, whenever I'd start saying new and big, it would be like, I get this horrible flare and I wouldn't be able to move. Uh-huh. And it was like, okay, well maybe I'm just afraid of failure. Maybe I just need to be a grown up and just admit that I'm scared right. of failure and this pain will go away. It's like, no, you're just working too hard. You're, <laughs> you're throwing yourself at a wall. Of course. Yeah. It like, yeah. It's hard. It's so hard to like figure out the right balance, which I also talk a lot about in my book, like how hard it is to like figure out like what's too much, like what's okay. And I think it's hard because especially for chronically ill people, it's not the same every day. So some days you can do more and then some days you can do less. My favorite is when my doctor was like, well, if you wake up the next day and you don't feel good, then you did too much the day before. So like, don't do that. But it's like, but then sometimes I can do that. So it's like very, very difficult to try to like, that was what doctor said for me to do. So I was like, oh, I guess I can't. He was like, try walking X amount. And then like, if that's too much, like it's too much. And like for walking, I guess, like that could be like a good barometer maybe. But like, it really depends on where you're at because everything fluctuates so much. And chronic illness is so complex and constantly changing. Like in the mornings, I tend to be really sick. And then like by now, like I'm pretty good. It's it's like 126, like feeling okay. But then it will probably happen again. So it, it just, everything's in waves. Um So it's just, it's hard and you have to constantly like negotiate and renegotiate with yourself. Like how much effort can I put into this today? How much can I put into it in an hour from now? Like it's so dependent on you. And the sad thing is, is that's not how the world runs. The world runs at a million miles an hour. Go, 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 go. Um, So I am definitely, that's like, like, Part, like I think it's like I said I think it's good that I do a lot of things but at the same time I definitely often fall into like trying to go into like the overcoming type of trope for disability where like I feel like I have to do all these things to prove that like I'm worthy so like I mean I was writing for BuzzFeed at 17 I had over 23 million views I wrote a book I wrote an honors thesis I had like these intense internships like I'm always like look at what I like I did all these things like I am a valid human being like appreciate me um, because I have all these other things that I'm dealing with. So, I mean, I know that's not healthy both for myself and then also like for the community, but at the same time, it's very hard to be like, no, I'm not going to fall into this when the whole world has you going in that direction, if that makes any sense. Everyone just nodded. I'm sure I can like, I can feel the future people (laughs) from all over the world going, "Uh uh-huh. And then yeah. when my husband comes home, I have to give him this report of everything I did. Like, yeah. as like, so, and he's an, like, please don't give it. My husband is the nicest, sweetest, right. most loving man on the face of the earth. He's my, like, he's the, my biggest cheerleader. He does not care if I laid in bed all day and right. you know, watch soap operas. He'd be like, good job, honey. Do you feel better? <laughs> I'm so glad you feel better. But I feel this intense, insane yeah. need to bore the hell out of him with every chore I accomplished, every, <laughs> like, every oh, little thing my I did. God. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've been doing that since I was little. I'd be like, well, I did this and this and this. And it's like, that was before I was diagnosed. My parents were like, okay, like, congratulations. I was like, well, I did all these things. They were like, okay. But now, like, I'll list them. And they'll be like, why did you do that? And I'll be like, oh, sorry. Yep. <laughs> like, I'll have empty the dishwasher and clean this. And because, like, I bake a lot. And it's like, I don't want to leave you a mess. So, like, I make a lot of messes. So I'm, like, trying to clean it up. And then I'm like, oh, well, sorry, like I left you a pop. They're like, well, we would have cleaned it. So it's like very hard because I also don't want to rely, like I rely on my family a lot and they're very supportive and wonderful. Um, Like they're absolutely amazing. But at the same time, like there's a guilt aspect where you don't want to put like, I need a lot of things. And so I try not to ask for a lot of things. My parents are older. I just graduated. I live at home. And then my brother's working full time as a teacher. So it's like, there's a lot of things. So I try to like pick and choose, like, what do I really need right now to ask for help for or on or whatever. So there's definitely like that aspect as well. So I get the need to be like, I did this today and this today. And aren't you proud of me? Yeah, <laughs> but, I my yeah. dog. I'm like, yeah. love me, love me. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best part about having a dog that's like super attached to you is they're like, oh my God, thank God you're here. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay. So. Wait, let me see if I can show you this. Oh. Yes, Kirk. Kirk. Hi, baby. Well, are you a sweet boy? <laughs> Is that not the sweetest 95-pound wolf you've ever seen? Very good wolf. Yes, good wolf. This is what he does. So his trick is um, yeah. I'm Ellis Stanlow's Pots and Mass Cell. 
Yeah. Um, probably another few I forgot, but those are the sure. main ones that rule my world. And so when yeah. I faint with pots, because apparently I'm a Victorian without a corset, um, if I faint, his favorite thing is to lay across my chest Aww. because I don't stand well. So he's going right. to make sure human does not stand well. <laughs> human stay down. I know it's good for like deep pressure therapy and stuff like that. So he's doing the DV, the DVT. Right? So yeah. yeah. And then I have Pretty my good. same cat that does um, acupuncture. So I thought she was being mean and like psychotically evil because she would like go from any room in the house. And if I dislocated, she would run, jump on the joint, and then she would massage with her claws around the joint. And that is so odd. It's not the weirdest thing. And then when she was done, like with her acupuncture, she would curl yeah. around the joint and purr. <laughs> She's like, I did it. I fixed you. You're fine now. I think she, I mean, I really think she's being sweet, but it's yeah. the insane thing I've ever, like, I do not have normal Animals anything. Animals are crazy. They are crazy. They just know, they know, yeah. Oh, Animals okay. are wild, though. They just know, they know too much. How can you survive? Like, I, I don't get people who are animal people. Like, I mean, I'm I don't sure get it either. out there. I don't hate any of you. I'm just saying, like, I don't get you. Like, my sister hates dogs she hates cats so she doesn't hate dogs she just isn't insanely in love with them she's yeah. terrified of cats i'm like i don't get you like how do you not have oh my family animals? uh does not like dogs or cats and <sighs> my dog is like a human like stands up walks on her hind legs like very weird sits like an infant like knows we trained her like because my mom really doesn't like dogs my mom's like never really touched her i've had my dog for like three and a half years and like she knows to like walk around her and like to like she knows all the rules she knows where she's allowed to be and where she's so my family's thrilled because she's like here I am little human baby and like I'll say stuff to her like not commands I'll be like hey can we just like go this way and she'll just like go the other way and I'm like so I didn't like ever train you to do that didn't like she just is on it yeah so it's wonderful get her like I rescued her it was meant to be yeah, so, she is absolutely wonderful. And then I trained her with a trainer um, and then trained her to task train. But, like, there are some random things. Like, I'll be like, I don't know. I'd rather do this. She'll be like, oh, okay. And they'll just, like, go do wow. it. So it's really weird. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Yeah, like, yeah I, but she's a rescue. I'm desperate to get a service dog, but um, the wolf who's laying here, he won't let anyone near. Like, even my children aren't allowed near me if I'm hurt. He will start hurt. He's a hurting dog. And he mm. won't hurt anyone. He'll herd them away from he'll me. He'll herd them away. I'm yeah. in trouble. We could never have a service dog with him. Like, there's no way. Yeah. I have to start thinking about it just because when I, I do inevitably want to move out on my own. And, like, oh, that? I, I will, yeah, a crazy concept. And, like, I cannot fully be on my own. So I would need some sort of, like, assistance. So yeah. I'm still figuring that. And she's small. So she can't, like, grab things or turn things on and off. Um, she's, yeah, that's not her forte. No, and I'm working as my dog is, um, he, he, we were told by the rescue would be 50 pounds. That's cute. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to train him so that he does a with me command so that he'll walk right Ooh. next to my hip. So if I start to stumble or fall, I can grab onto a bar that would be on his back to like stay. Yeah, no, that would be really good. And like, I mean, you can always self-train dogs because it's so expensive to oh go my God, through any $10, type of service. We were quoted or more or more. It's crazy or yeah. you can sit on a wait list for four years so yeah it's um it's a thing yeah. I actually ended up just buying an apple watch um I switched over from google which made me sad because I like the google phone way better but yeah. I switched over because the watch would like if I fell right my brother told me about that last night because I talked about um I called it slipping season because the leaves are starting to get colder and rainy and then it's going to go into snow and ice and I always fall and so, like, I was like, it's slipping season. My brother was like, you should get an Apple Watch because yeah. it will tell you when you fall. Which, or it will alert someone when you yeah. fall. You know, obviously. I do. No, I, like, it's my it's my favorite thing because it also monitors my heart rate all day. So if my heart right. rate drops too low, it'll be like, <laughs> standing up's bad now. Like, it'll buzz me. Or right. if it's too high for too long of a period, it'll buzz me. If my EKG is really off. It right. will just give me a button that I can call emergency services. If I fall, I can, if I don't respond within six seconds, it will text my husband or call emergency services. Like it's, it, it's yeah. actually worth switching. If you're an Android person, I get it. I know. I'm sorry, but this is actually way better than anything. Yeah, no, that sounds out. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have pots. So heart is like less of an issue, but I do fall and like often hurt myself when I'm alone. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's might just, be a good investment. 
I mean, the thing is, is we're not old. Well, I am, but right. you're not. And not. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all still in this, like, we're in this weird phase where we need the same things that like senior citizens who right. are living alone need. Like we can't just be left on our, especially with meds. I just almost burned down the house the other day because I was sure I turned off. The, I'm a, I'm a, I, we are so talking about British, British bake off. If we have time, but oh, I, love I would die. I would die for Prue. I would die for her. Oh my God. Do you not like, I, I so want to just smack Paul Hollywood all the time, but Prue. And I forgot the first lady's name, but I love her. And Mary. I love that she got um, Paul arrested. Like, I love that she got him arrested. <laughs> That's my favorite story of all time. Really? I didn't know that. But yeah, her name's Mary Berry. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. I'm, it, it, literally, I know your name because you are my same name as my daughter. That is, <laughs> I am so bad with names. I can never, yeah. it's That's really right. awful. The, the medication is fun. Um, medication is older. a joy. I will never know if I get Alzheimer's. It will just, I, I won't know. It, It'll just be a fun surprise. <laughs> I mean, at least, yeah, it's, it's all very random in my world. Yeah. Um, oh, baking. So I had, um, I was trying to make a new way of doing scrambled eggs, which is brilliant mm. and amazing, but it requires hot oil. Okay. And I was certain I had turned it off and I was in the middle of like an important phone call with a friend who was dealing with shit. And I went into the other room and I had not turned off the hot oil and started a fire in the kitchen. Yep. Not ideal. No, but it, it just shows like, you know, we, we are like in this weird thing where you think about like, you know, someone in their eighties, they still want to live alone if they're healthy enough to be able to like right. know, bathroom on their own and get dressed on their own, but they really can't be alone alone. And it's like, this right. Technology bridge is really amazing for all of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, my alone alone, pretty good in terms of like the, the mental state medications. Um, I always like easing really, really slowly because I'm very sensitive. But I mean, I, I take like 20 pills a day, I believe. So like, and then I also go for infusions. And so like, it was very incremental, but we got there. And like, if I don't do well with a drug, it's pretty immediate. So we just toss that out and start from scratch. Um, so I'm pretty good in that space. It's more of like physically, like the falling aspect, like lifting things. I found that the two biggest things for me that are like hard and seem like the, like not that laundry like the physical act of moving into one like the washer into the dryer and like take it I don't know what it is I don't know but all of a sudden it's been an issue well I do know part of it's because my wing is dislocated so I can put this arm all the way up and I can put this arm here so I can't lift the left side of my body so that's part of it but the other part is just like it's been a thing that and making my bed like stripping the bed and making it like that's like I need a nap I need a day after I do that. So it, yeah, those two actions are like really, really hard. <laughs> the nicest thing my mom did was she bought us a bed. It's not necessarily a hospital bed. It was like, you right. know, a regular bed, but it, it can move the legs up the, the thing. Oh. And then it can do a, this full sitting up position, which means when you're putting fitted sheets on, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Because it all comes into a V. So you're right next to it. You can just and then it that goes really nice. And, oh my God. It's the best thing ever for like, yeah. like, Yes. Yeah. EDS is a little devil. It's a little devil. My whole life, they were like, you're fine. You're fine. I was like, I cannot walk. I was like, I do not think I am. They're like, oh, you're fine. I was like, I don't think I'm fine. Yeah. I didn't get diagnosed till I was 19. And I had every single like alert. Like I was born without like muscle tone in my left leg. So like I had to have PT. I've been doing PT since I was 10 months old. Like I used to drag my leg around, had like no, my left side's still like super weak compared to my right side. Like my right side does all the work. So it never like built up all the way. But I don't really know if you can like build up, like if you didn't have, like to ever make it out. (laughs) But yeah, so like I had that, I had the scoliosis, I had the flat feet, everything would always like snap and crack. I couldn't like do what everyone else did. I was always in pain. Like I had like every single, my, I, there's like one for like teeth or something like the roof of your mouth, like the way your teeth come in, had that too, had those weird things in the bottom of my heel. Like I had all these like alerts and everyone's like, wait, wait, what's good. the thing on your heel? They're like, so I didn't know it was a thing. Uh, but the geneticist who was awful and then decided this year she doesn't do EDS and said, I didn't have it when my rheumatologist was like, yes, you do. Um, they're like these little like white ball looking things like on your heel, like when you yeah. walk. Yeah. yeah, that's EDS related. I forget what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> I thought everyone had those. And then, yeah. So Do you still surprised. have to talk to other people with Elder Stainless and they're like, yeah, this is an EDS thing. You're like, I thought I was just crazy. 
I thought Yo, no, me all the time. Well, like, it's because oh there are God. so many correlations, I think, like yeah. EDS and like digestion and things like that. Like, you don't think like I was like, oh, everything's Crohn's related. Everything's Crohn's. Everything's Crohn's because I also have Crohn's. So it was just natural for me to be like, of course, digestion, like yeah. issues, like, of course, it's Crohn's. But like, I don't know if all these things are Crohn's anymore. Right. I'm very much like I think there's some EDS in the in the works. And then I have CRPS, so I'm, like, hypersensitive to everything. Yeah. Like, it's like fibromyalgia, very similar um, for those who don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's another uh, complex regional pain syndrome. Called, yeah, so it used to be called um, – oh, God, yeah. what was it called? When I was diagnosed with it, it was called something different, and I had to have a spinal um, thing. Oh, my God. So now it's, it's like, under the pain amplification syndrome mm-hmm. umbrella, RSD. Yes, that's what – RSVD or RSD. Yeah, that's what I was diagnosed with when I was 16. But I didn't – I did not get my Ehlers-Danlos diagnosis until I was 36. Okay, that is, like, so common. So I did my thesis on uh, – I did my honors thesis on chronic illness Twitter. Oh, so God. that's what it's I studied. It's a terrifying place. <laughs> it's a lot. It it's so a lot. bad. It's a lot. Um, yeah, and, like – it was just so much to take in that and writing a book about disability and then living it. There were some days I was like, I'm just going to tap out real quick. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, like ignore <laughs> for real though. And um, yeah, it's just like a lot of people with EDS, they're like, I just haven't either. They either haven't gotten a diagnosis yet or they were like, I got diagnosed when I was 30 and I was diagnosed with everything else when I was like 12. Like, there seems to be, like, a very large gap between, yeah. like, specifically for that disease. Like, very specifically. So, we have a weird thing over here in California. There was one doctor at UCSF, that's the San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, and he was the one. And if you did not get a diagnosis from him, it was always yeah. suspected Ehlers-Danlos or suspected hypermobility. He had okay. to sign off on this. I That's had to, the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Isn't it? Yeah, super fun. I had to wait three years to get an appointment with him. And I only got it because I wasn't working one day and I could get in to see him. And it was just, and this poor guy, he retired. He was the only person who would see Ehlers-Danlos. Even at Stanford, the rheumatologist wouldn't see you with Ehlers-Danlos. If you were diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos, the rheumatologists were like, nope. Mm-mm. That is the dumbest thing. I mean, I'm in Boston, so we have like a lot of great doctors. And I mean, I'm currently like transferring my care from children's because like right on the cusp holding on to some of them but um yeah I mean because I'm so I know because I'm so complex though and I've been seeing them some of them since I was like born yeah it's very hard to transfer so I'm transferring my care to an adult hospital now um and like a big girl and but I I always say there needs to be like a middle ground because I look way too old. I walk into children's by myself to all my appointments and everyone's like, Oh, are you here to visit? And I'm like, Nope, here to see a doctor. And then I go to the adult hospital and I look like I'm five and everyone there is eighty. I'm like, We need like a nice little like middle ground hospital. That'd be nice. That'd be really <laughs> yeah, it would be. I would fit in a little bit better there. But um I have to give Stanford props though. Stanford, um, their, their treatment centers look like a very high end hotel. They have a pianist who plays music in the front. I've heard that about the Mayo clinic too. I've, but I've heard horror stories about Mayo. I also have heard horror stories. Like at least I know, like I've, I've actually been to Stanford multiple times and the level of care I've received at Stanford is off the hook. Insane. Amazing. And yeah. like the love and care that you have from doctors and nurses, like in the respect, it's just, I, I will go there before I go anywhere else. I will drive <laughs> to go there. Yeah. But, um, I've heard yeah. horrible things about Mayo Clinic, especially for Elder Stanless Clinic. Yeah. I haven't been, I never went, like my, my parents were thinking about like trying to figure out because my friend did go and they did help her with like one of her issues, but we never went. And like, I honestly think it would be a waste for me because like, I have all these things where they can't do anything. So what, what would they do? Like, what would they do? They wouldn't do anything. Like they would just tell you exactly what, you know, or they'd make it worse and be like, well, I don't think you do have it. Like that's the worst deal. I'm like, no, just pick a side. Like everyone else over here is like, no, she has EDS. Everyone else over here is like, "Mm, I'm not sure. Like, no, I do. So it's like, and then they change the criteria for it. So it's just like, it's always changing. So a lot of feelings about the EDS society. I don't know if they should be making the rules. Um, I would rather doctors yeah. who have spent their entire lives researching a disorder make, you know, like cancer or, you know. Yeah, that would make sense, or, wouldn't it? But of course, it's chronic illness. They're like, run free. See what happens. 
I, Close your it, eyes. So Shoot baffling. a bow and arrow. There's been a lot of controversy with the Ehlers-Danlos Society. And it's, I know. Um, it's really confusing and stressful. So I, I tend to ignore. I also tend it. to ignore it. All I see on Twitter is people like shitting on it and then i'm like okay bad and then i i just i'm sure i'm like chronically ill people they know that it's bad they can get into the reddit threads i once saw a tweet when i was doing my research it was like there's a reddit thread for the eds side and i was like i'm gonna leave that to somebody else to yeah. deal with i will not be partaking in that i've not been on reddit i hear stories about reddit and i'm like i'm not mentally healthy enough for reddit i don't know if anyone's mentally healthy enough to be on reddit we just had um, yeah. a person who was on our, our um, on my podcast. I'm sorry, it's not, mm-hmm. it's now, uh, we now, or now a network. I keep like blinking on that. Um, on my podcast, we mm-hmm. had someone who got attacked on Reddit. And I was That's totally crazy. unaware. Otherwise, I would have jumped to her defense. But it was like the most insane bullshit I've ever seen in my life of people who have never met this person making diagnosis claims about whether she was. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Oh I'm not God. interested in being a part of that. Like I can gaslight myself. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm all good with that. I've got <laughs> enough gaslight yeah. for all of us. I'm, I'm yeah. all fine. Yeah. Thanks. And that's why I stay off Twitter. I, I just got off Twitter. Oh, I've been you. on Twitter a lot. a lot. And I, I left mm. Twitter for like the last, like this Saturday, I was like, I emotionally and physically cannot handle Twitter. <laughs> and so I have not right. been on since Saturday, which is, it is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, um, I mean, my Twitter was so chronic illness centered from like my research, like that's all I was seeing. But then I unfollowed some people. And so it took a lot of that out, which then was helpful. And I could go on there for other things about like baking and parks and rec and not just like, I'm really sick. What does this mean? Okay. <laughs> It's just, I, I'm pretty much on board panda right now. That's that's my comfort zone is board <laughs> panda and um, Instagram seems yeah. pretty safe. Uh, at least for my world, yeah. Instagram's been safe. Um, and then we have our Facebook group and page, which I'm on. Um, but I, I love Instagram Live. I've been uh, because I get very lonely. I live in this yeah. room. Like this sure. room is pretty much ninety percent of my world. And so I go on Instagram Live. I'm like, I will randomly talk to people, no problem. Yeah, no. I mean, with COVID, everything's been so lonely. Just because <laughs> I mean, I'm high risk, so I literally don't go anywhere. And everyone my age is still going out and doing stuff. So, yeah, very isolating. I'm so confused I don't. by all that. And like, I'm in. I'm fortunately in like an area that is like we believe in science. Don't go out. And we have like me too. High <laughs> level of masks. High level of you do not go out and have fun. Um, you can stay home and have fun. And my kids are very careful of me too. And all, and their friends are very careful of me. So it's been really helpful, but just, you know, even when there wasn't COVID, I lived in this room, this room is my, mostly my world and it's it's explain, but it's also weird because I now have COVID going on and I have two teenagers in the house and a husband in the house and I have no alone time anymore. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's gotta be something in between like hermit (laughs) isolated in the woods, Jason at the end of good place and, um, normal human like interaction. I need something in between. You'd think, you'd think there'd be like a nice happy medium. Not so sure. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's just been crazy uh, with everything. So now here's a question for you, because like we're talking a lot about squidginess of boundaries and chronic illness. How did you decide on a wheelchair? Because I always thought that there'd be this moment where a doctor would be like, it's time. And there was no moment a doctor. I was the one who said, it's time. I can't do this anymore. And that was such a weird thing. Yeah, so I only use a wheelchair for like big outings. I only use the like, I mean, we didn't go anywhere this summer, but like when we would go into like the city, so go into Boston and stuff like that, like it's bumpy. There's a lot going on, like a lot of standing, not very, eh, it's like some places are accessible, but like I would use the wheelchair for that. I, the only way I can go to concerts is if I'm in a wheelchair because like I cannot stand for that period of time obviously like 20 minutes is pushing it so like hours of standing and jump like that's not going to work so i really just use it for outings there was a period of time i took three medical leaves in college and um the last one i took i was very close to using it like pretty much like i just had no use of my legs for like a period of time but i mean i didn't like you said about like being a hermit like i didn't like, I did not go anywhere. I stayed in my chair in the living room. It's where I done my schoolwork. Like, I just stayed right there. So, like, took a little bit of pressure away. But, like, at that point, we didn't have a wheelchair. And when I fully could not bear weight, 
We had to use my brother's old childhood desk chair to wheel me around the house so I could go to the bathroom and like crawling. It was bad. And so, yeah, we have wheelchair now in case I need it, but it's not like a full-time thing. And then also, I also had to mention to my doctor because there was always this like pressure of like, no, like push through it and walk. Like if you don't walk, like, like if you don't walk with CRPS, like you'll lose all your ability to walk. So like you'll lose it. Like you, you gotta go, go, go. And I, I tend to like take doc. I mean, I, I've always taken doctors' words like very seriously and carefully. Just like that's how I have been raised. Like oh, they're authority figures. I feel like most people are like that. Now I've been a little bit more critical as I've gotten older. But when I was like nineteen, I was far less critical. Um, of doctors and I was like oh like I don't want to lose my leg function like I'll walk more like I'll do this like I'll push myself like it's really dangerous because you want to follow especially if you're young or you're you don't know about the system and how screwed up it can be like you're like they said to do this thing like I have to do this thing so yeah there were definitely times where I wish I had been like no like I really can't walk um, and like we did get there at some points and then there were some days where like at school like I wish I could have used the chair but everything wasn't like that accessible and like I wasn't strong it was like not a nice chair my dad works at a medical supply place like it was just like the cheapest one like I couldn't push myself up like I have bad shoulder. like there's a lot of things like happening so it's not as simple as being like oh this is freedom like it is in some aspects like when I'm with other people because they can help out and push some of the way but like it's not freedom if I do it on my own because I can't do it on my own. So it's a little complex, but I did have to bring it up. Um, and I actually brought it up to my pain center doctor and I was like, Hey, like, can I use a wheelchair? And she was like, yep. And I was like, great. So, <laughs> um, a little bit of a different response. Um, but then my rheumatologist, I think was fine. I don't really know. So <laughs> end up working out. Um, you know, the funny thing about other stainless is we're talking about like, you know, the, do you push yourself? Do you not push yourself? Is that the only thing that holds our bones anywhere near where they're supposed to be is muscle. Right. And so it's this weird thing of, if I do the thing that builds the muscle, I can dislocate that joint. Right. If I rest it, I lose the muscle tone and then the joint dislocates anyway. <laughs> like it's the weirdest. It's, it's really, really, really hard to figure out like what's okay. Like sometimes I can't even do PT because my joints are not in. So like I can't do the motion. It's like, okay, how am I supposed to build this muscle if I can't do the motion? So I like heavily relied. I had an amazing chiropractor who like saved my life basically in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, and she was absolutely wonderful, but I'm back in Massachusetts now. And so like, I haven't been able to see her since um, May. And I miss her so much because like I could walk with her like I was very able like oh my god she, like I there like and I've been to seven or eight chiropractors now and she's the only one like because she would do like a little bit of muscle work to get everything going and she did head to toe was a genius like a crazy genius where she would feel one thing and be like oh well I have to go back I'll do this right now like her mind was in a million places wow. wild but knew exactly what she was doing would go back go forward like figure it all out like she had never met anyone like me she had never heard of any of my stuff but she wasn't intimidated. She's like, oh, yeah, like, I can do it. Like, I didn't learn that till later that she had no idea about what any of that was. She was just very much like, I'll try my best. And, like, she's always like, well, your body healed. It's I'm like, no, it didn't. I was like, my body literally did nothing. Like, you did it. Um, warning out there for everyone. Please be really careful with chiropractic. Yes. Oh, they can be awful. So much damage to you. You can get into so much trouble with somebody who does not know what they're doing. This is a very lucky story is what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. I mean, when I said I've been to seven or eight, like the others have been awful yeah. and I have not gone back. Um, I've had ones where I wasn't able to like walk or move yeah. afterwards because of how horrible it was. So yes, be extremely careful. I mean, I give them a rundown about my life and they'll still be like, oh yeah, like I've had a patient or two like that. Like I can do it. And then I get excited and then I go and they're not good. And I'm like, well, that just broke my little heart. <laughs> my physical therapist right now, he started on me as an intern because okay. his, the physical therapist I was using, she was the only person who would see other stainless. No other physical therapist in the Bay Area was willing to see. It's crazy. Yeah. And so she, she was, you know, really good and she was really good at learning. And then he was her intern. 
So he learned mm. on, he was the first intern who did not turn green or throw up. So I was like, you might actually be good. And so when he got his license, he came back to the practice. And so now he's mine and he's working on me with stroke protocol. So instead of doing Ehlers-Danlos protocol, which is not working, you know, the big book, there's like this one big PT book, it's orange and yellow, it costs $80. Really? And it, I can't remember, I think I have it on my bookshelf, but it does not work for me because you have to be able to do certain exercises to build on those. And if I do those exercises, my tibias come in front of my kneecaps. Mm, is that all? Yeah, that's it. What else? You know, it's, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and so he's working on me with stroke protocol. So it's what you do with physical therapy after a stroke where you're just rebuilding stuff just around like to help someone stand up again. So it's like starting way, way further back. Right. But it's right. Um, yeah, I see him to relocate everything that I couldn't relocate myself. So once yeah, he my does he like touch you to like massage you or anything? Because I, all of my PTs, like yeah, so all my PTs, they've always gotten like a note from whoever prescribed it. I've had it prescribed by a million people. Like you need to touch her. You need to massage her. None of them will go near me. They won't touch me. None of them. I'm like, are you unwell? Like it says to touch <laughs> me. And they will not do it. And then I'll have doctors write in all caps, like touch her because like they won't massage me or like do anything manipulative. Yeah. I do so not I understand. Like a few questions for you. First off, have you yeah. heard of soft tissue release? Um, I, yes, I have heard of it. Yeah. So that's how he relocates is like this. I mean, like this is like completely gone. Yeah. Um, so right. I'm going in in a few hours, which scares the hell out of me, but it's like, you know, like the end of princess bride. Are you old enough to remember princess bride? I, I mean, I, I am old enough, but I never watched oh, it. Okay. Like there's this one scene where Wesley's at the end of being tortured and he's just like whimpering. And I'm like, I'm just going to bring in that video clip for you and just play it every time because it's like, ah, um, but it's soft tissue release. So he like, um, he puts pressure on the muscle around the joint until it, mm -hmm. it gives up, it gives up the spasm and then he pushes it back in and then it just, mm -hmm. in. so instead of tearing the muscle by yanking it in, it's releasing the spasm so that the joint glides in and there's no soft mm. tissue damage, which thank God. Cause that was hell. Yeah. My new, I found a new chiropractor who seems okay. Ish we're, we're working through some stuff, but she'll do like a ton of tissue, like ton and ton and ton of it. And just goes and goes and goes. Then she massages me so much that like she can't adjust me because I'm so flexible. Yeah. She can put my whole, but like there's no end range. So like she can't put anything in and I'm like, well, then this was not helpful for but me. Calming. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was pretty painful. I don't know yeah. if I call it calming. And then I, she did way too much. I couldn't touch anywhere from here all the way to my back here for three or four days. Cause it was burning because the CRPS. So I was like a thrill. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, if you add mass cell onto all of this, it's like, I don't know what I have anymore. I have no idea what is causing this big, huge problem. Right big and bad. Um, my other question for you, and I know it's like, it was, it was so expensive. It took us forever to pay it off, but we got an H wave yeah. and the H wave was like sanity saving. It keeps me out of the emergency room. I would never, what is that? It's like a tens unit on steroids. And it oh. actually is like the tens unit just like stays very like small and just distracts you from the pain. Mm -hmm. This goes into the muscle <laughs> and it, I've actually been able to handle a hip dislocation with it. Like it's oh my lord, and it starts healing parts of the the like what's going wrong. It starts healing it, and it was, it's insane how expensive it is, and it's not okay that they, like this is what pisses me off about chronic illness. There's all these things we yeah. need to survive, and they're like, but we, your insurance is not going to cover it. And right. it's really like my wheelchair was very expensive, but without it, I'm I sure. No, like what Freedom. you're talking about with your wheelchair. It's like mine can go over sticks. It can go over ledges. It's yeah. like it's a mad max. That's nice. Right. I couldn't use like the cheaper ones because it was like a joystick. The power wheelchairs were a joystick. I'm like, my hand's going to come out. This thing is like right. home. So you just put your hand over it mm -hmm. and you just do this and change the direction of the wheelchair. You can oh. barely touch it and it will start doing wheelies. It's awesome. I love it. But my insurance is like, that's a personal vehicle. That's not a wheelchair. And I'm like, right. I, yeah, yeah. I despise insurance <laughs> and all, all the things. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's just hard being chronically ill. There's so much going on all the time. Half the time you don't know what's causing what and like why you feel this way or why you feel that way, or you'll get a new symptom and it's like, Oh, is this part of this or is it something new? It is just constantly changing. 
and it's which is something I never. It is extremely expensive. And we can't and, work to make the money to pay right. for the expensive thing. <laughs> right. That's why I'm like really lucky uh, that like I, I did find a job. And so I've been working. Um, I mean, it's been hard and my weekends haven't been like fun because I sleep and I lay down to recover so I can work again. So, I mean, it's it's definitely hard to figure out how to work and how to function in a society that just really was not built for you at all. That's the only thing that makes me really excited about COVID is like, I, I know it's a horrible thing to say. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I know. No, if, I totally get if it. If y'all aren't mad at the man who could have made this better and didn't, then you don't get mad at me um, for seeing like at least an upside, which is all the things we're told were not possible as disabled Right, people. they are possible. Everything they said that we could not have access to because it just wasn't feasible is now proven that we we can. And I'm just getting like... I just didn't want to do it. Yeah, it just wasn't worth it because they said that there wasn't the need. And the thing is, is like most of us aren't in that need position because we never thought we could be there in the first place. Like we didn't think we could even apply to this university because the university has stadium seating. And the only place you could be is at the very top of the, the door. Or we didn't think we could in this office or like my friend who's um a lawyer and or she's trying to be a lawyer and the internships all required her to lift 25 to 50 pounds well she's an amputee she can't and how does that make her not able to be a lawyer like it's just it's so nuts literally just does not apply to being a lawyer at all right it's just another ableist like thing to put in to like sway disabled people from not wanting to actually like do stuff they're like oh i can it says right here yeah, or the New York library that was just, or there's a library in New York that was just oh. built all stairs to the bathrooms. Yep. So it's like, fuck you, are you kidding? <laughs> like, and so they're like, oh, we don't need this because we don't have a lot of people with wheelchairs. It's like, of course you don't. We didn't even bother to show up. Like our, um, we're having- And a also huge- like, even if I'm not using a wheelchair, like fun fact about me, my body doesn't like steps and yeah. I have Crohn's, so. Yeah. All of it bad, like for everyone, like- fine. You don't even want to consider the disabled people. Let's consider right. the mom with a stroller. Sure. <laughs> Where does that go? Like, or let's consider the person who just twisted an ankle. Like it, the right. thing is universal design is beautiful. It, it is. makes the world accessible for everyone. Everyone. Why wouldn't you like, what's, how is that not that I couldn't tell you of the lawn of the law for like all new buildings, like everything apartments that we could all rent, like trying to find housing is insane. It is really hard. We actually yeah, had to move because I needed my wheelchair. Right. And the house we lived in. It's just a lot. Yeah. Like you're Sorry, constantly having to adapt. Usually I would go before I, I do interviews. I used to go on Twitter for like five minutes so that I'd have a heart rate enough to stay focused through an interview. And I, I'm not on Twitter because the mental health issues were getting really intense. Yeah, that's long. fine. Yeah, I'm following along. So I don't have my rage built up, so I, that was my my one rage escape. For <laughs> usually, I can get all right. on Twitter, and I I did not get my rage out on Twitter, so that is okay. Um, we're at an hour, and I would I would kidnap you all day, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but um, your book is available on Amazon, so you didn't have to be one of the cool, awesome people who knew about this on Indiegogo. You can go and buy this on Amazon. Also in Barnes and Noble, um, on there, and then I'm in thirty. I'm in sixty nine stores in thirty four states. So I might be in a Barnes and Noble near you. And you can be found on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you go over to our show notes, I have those all as buttons at the very top, so you can buy the book right from the show notes very easily. And you can follow Olivia over there. Do you have any last words for everyone? (laughs) Uh. No last words. Just be nice to yourself because <laughs> you'll get everything done that you need to get done. Do it at your own pace. <laughs> and if you don't and you're not a brain surgeon, no one's going to die. It's okay. Also that, that's also accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Like even if you don't get everything done 99% of the time, it's going to be cool. Right. We have that a rule in the accurate. family of does it matter in one week? Does it matter in three months? Does it matter in five years? As to like whether you get to have a full-blown panic attack about it. Like. That is a good rule to have. I might have to adopt that one. Please feel free. I found it very, that <laughs> one, and, um, I've been like, I never believed in mantras or anything. I always thought that was like, whatever. Like I, I have a yeah. very 
low tolerance for kumbaya stuff. Like I'm very like, no. And then I read the um, untamed book that everyone was reading. And I'm like, oh, maybe Mm. this isn't, maybe I was being really elitist here. Maybe I need to rethink some things. (laughs) And so I started listening to Elizabeth Gilbert and Renee Brown. And so it's like, mantras might not be the worst thing. So I've been like repeating on like loop. I do not have control. I have anxiety. And like, that has been like my, my weird ticks. Like I have these weird ticks that if I don't do them, the world ends, my kids get hurt. Like all these like things that go in my head. If I don't do this one thing on, like, if I don't yeah. like three things on Twitter and if I like something that has like a negative number, if I don't make it a positive number, like it's weird stuff. And like, I'm just yeah. doing that over and over again. It's been weirdly helping like to like, Hey, ratchet it down. Yeah, finding what works is always feels good at the end of the day. Right. Anything to calm the mind and the and body. Fluffy dogs. Also dogs. Always yeah. the answer. You can never go wrong. I mean, unless you have a horrible allergy or fear, I totally yes. Also but, that, but you know, eh. I'm still not sure we deserve them. I'm still not sure that the humanity deserves dogs. Like no, I don't think we dogs. do at all. They're too good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This is Monica Michelle with Explicitly Sick. We are now a podcast network. So you can go on and we have some new podcasts, which is very exciting. Dr. Lee Phillips joined us this month with um, chronic illness and sex. So that's been very exciting. Um, Jason has discomfort zone and Eva has human care. I have explicitly sick. We still have invisible, not broken as a podcast. And we use that for all of us hosts to get together and talk about issues. We just had a new um, episode where we talked about COVID and how all of us are dealing because we all have very different lives and experiences. I have kids, no one else does. So I get to talk about trying to find a lone space when everyone is at home. Eva is dealing with some massive life changes. Jason lives at home and uh, Dr. Phillips is moving. So we we had a really good discussion about everything that we were dealing with. Um, so please subscribe to to all or your favorite podcasts. Um, if you want to be very nice to us, going to Patreon and donating is incredible. We are trying really hard to get better transcription services. We know that's a problem we would like to solve. We just don't have the money for that. So if you would like to support us, that's wonderful. And um, I think that I will just close with our tagline, which it's never been more important. Uh, This is unprecedented times. So be kind, be gentle in whatever way it looks like to you. Be a badass.